Okay, recovery strategies for the week. I really liked your, you did a really great video on the magnesium. Um, I really enjoyed it. I listened to it a few times just because it reminded me of stuff. Just like, just like the simple like basics that like I know, but like I haven't thought about. Um, and I thought it was, like I said, I thought you did a really great job and a good summary. Um, one thing that it reminded me of was um, sodium for like recovery. Um, That's right. And like how most people are really sodium deficient because they're so afraid of it. So one thing that I wanted to to kick off with was to add on to the magnesium deficiency or make sure you get enough is that if you're training, like um, I've seen I've seen like the regular like nutrition reports that say that an athlete will burn anywhere from a, a like, you know, regular just a standard person who just works out will burn about 2,000 milligrams of sodium within an hour workout, and a high-level athlete will be anywhere between, you know, 3,000 to 5,000 in, in like an hour, hour and a half span of hard training, and the daily nutritional value is like, is about 2,000, so it's like yeah. And a lot of us, like, if we're on, say, like, a meal plan or watching what we're eating, we're cooking everything fresh, and we're not buying pre-packaged foods that are usually loaded with sodium already, so we're not adding a ton of extra salt to our food. And what is, has been really helpful for me. And I, I tell it to all my clients and, and it's pretty well known out there is to like add a bit of pink Himalayan salt into your, like either your intra or just your water bottle and drink yeah. that as you train. Yeah. Or to salt the taste. I remember when I was talking to Paul, he told me, he's like, Hey, like salt every, every meal that yeah. like if, if there's no like sauce to it like no salsa or anything you're putting onto it you know if you don't have a sauce that usually because sauces usually have sodium you don't have a sauce add just add sodium add that salt uh, yeah yeah because like you need it because again like given if you're working out and you burn if you're hard training you burn three thousand milligrams of sodium in an hour you're already one thousand over your daily even the daily yeah. minimum so um yeah and then it's like because that lower sodium can, is muscle cramping obviously dehydration not being able to hold on to hydration um and then your um the muscle fiber contractions there's not enough sodium because there's not enough sodium not enough they're not able to contract yeah yeah there's not enough hydration into the muscles that can't do their do their job which is why like creatine is such like a like a huge thing also because creatine helps pull water you know into the muscles which help it have that that best power output so I thought that was a big one. Um, what was another one that you wanted to hit? Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, recovery strategies can be a bunch of things. And like some of the, the most simple things as getting your sleep under wraps is a huge yeah. one. <laughs> uh, I mean, that should be, that should, most, that should be obvious. The mo- it's the most undervalued though, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, making sure you get that eight hours of sleep and like one of the things that I started doing that I like you know I never really considered it because I was never I never really liked 
smoking pot or just THC in general, but it has been something that I do before bed on a nightly basis now. Um, I do yeah. THC with CBD. Um, I have a little pen, one or two hits and like I'm out cold in five to 10 minutes and I get like a full night's sleep and yeah. deep sleep. And that was something that I really, really struggled with. Yeah. Um, it, it's always been something I struggle with, but it, especially like starting a business and, and running my own business, I found that my sleep actually declined, which is not, that's not uncommon, but yeah. the CBD THC has made a big, a big change to my sleep patterns in a positive way. Yeah. And I never was like, I'm the same. And like, I never was like a pot, like I, like 19 and 20, I did a little bit, but very little. Yeah. That was it. Um, what I have found, just to like add to that, I remember I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Kaylee. Uh, one thing that she had brought up was that um, edibles, because um, like smoking THC can push back your REM sleep, not yes. as bad as alcohol, because alcohol is, can like interrupt your deep REM. Even though it helps you fall asleep, you don't stay asleep. Um, THC smoking also does that. Even the vape, even the vapor, like it, it can have the same effect where it can help you get to sleep, but staying asleep is hard. Edibles though, they don't, doesn't really as much just because it takes longer to process to digest by the time it gets into your, like it hits your body and your blood, not so much in your head. It doesn't interrupt your deep REM as much. So really edibles um, are even better because you can get that same, you know, body like relaxation Yes. Um, and it doesn't interrupt as much of your REM sleep. Yeah. Uh, I cycle between both. Um, if I have more time, I'll take an edible. But if it's something like I just need to get to bed, I'll usually just take a hit from my pen. And then I know yeah. I'm going to be out in five to ten minutes. Yeah. And I, and I do think it is person by person basis. Like I do think yeah. that, you know, does, no different. And like, yeah, with edibles, it does take like 45 minutes for that to really kick in. And it depends if you have food, if you have food in your stomach, what kind of food you have in your stomach. Yeah. So like sometimes you don't even know if you're going to feel it. Yeah, exactly. So it just, yeah. And then obviously knowing you have to experiment by how much you take and all that stuff. It is a little bit harder to discern, but I, I mean, at least once I kind of got like the right dose for me that like felt good yeah. on like my body, it definitely helped relax. Cause I have like restless body when I want to like sleep. Like my, I don't know what it is. Like I get sore. I can't get comfortable. Um, I'm just like physically restless, even though I'm mentally tired. So mm. that does help. Um, and magnesium plays a big role in helping you sleep as well. Yeah. So yeah. And which, and which was... you know, which you mentioned and it's true. Yes. Yeah. Well, the first time I took magnesium was for sleep mm. and I got a magnesium powder. Like it, it's actually a really funny story. I took magnesium powder. It didn't it kind of gave like a general like dosage and so oh, no. i just used the cap i was like i was like oh i'll just do a cap full and i didn't measure it at all i was just like eh, cap full i took a cap full of magnesium drank it because it was like a you know mix into water within 30 minutes i started to get like kind of woozy and i was like yeah. oh i want to go to bed I like shut the TV off. I like went to like went upstairs and you know laid down and um that was like eleven o'clock at night. I didn't wake up till ten the next morning, so almost twelve hours of sleep. I, I I was like dead. 
I don't even remember waking up to go to the bathroom or anything. Like I was out. And it was the longest I had slept at that time in a long time. The one thing you got to be careful with magnesium is if you take too much, it can upset your digestive tract and you can end up with some fun diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that problem, luckily. Um, I, it, I mean, I definitely, uh, definitely was uh, going more, but it, yeah. I didn't have that issue. And cause I, so I, I did that like that first night. And I then I like backed off the dosage. I, w I took it every night for a week. Um, I just did half a cap, and I found that was like perfect. And then the next week, I did every other day. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I kind of just did as needed for a little while. And then, yeah. then I basically just like would save it just for like those times that I I, I needed help. But yeah. I kind of got more regular. It helped me get more regular. Um, but yeah, it it helped. Um, one other recovery thing that I, I wanted to hit, um, and I also did want to make, a, at one point, make a, like a little tutorial video, is um, self-massage, but specifically transverse friction. And I, mm -hmm. I, like, I've mentioned it on other episodes when we were like talking, but it's, um, you know, I think, I mean, I think I've told you, but for anyone who like, doesn't know, I went to sports massage school and I, and I did graduate and like I went through it. Um, I did do it for a little bit, and then I ended up moving to a different state, and so I wasn't able to get the state license at a different state, and then when I came back, unless they didn't let me re-up it. Um, regardless, though, it's helped me, obviously, in training, and I still do it for fun or just, like, on the side, um, but what I found for strength sports specifically, because of the load and what we do, transverse friction massage is a massage of going across or against the grain of the muscle fiber that you're working on so if it's your bicep you're going horizontally because it runs um vertical if it's your if your if it's your pec it'd be going at a 45 degree angle the other way of your pec making an x um, and what that does is that just it essentially creates like a blood pooling effect where they call it blood wash because um, yeah. you go with so usually to go with the grain of the muscle is relaxing like in school, they taught us like with the grain is like relaxing, lymphatic, you know, kind of like getting in. And then against the grain is like when you're trying to reset the muscle, work tissue, break up adhesion um, and whatnot. And you can also use it to reset muscle length um, or essentially it's like kind of get the muscle to like let go and like we're like what they would call relax. Reset. Yeah, relax. Um, but, but but specifically relax from whatever like shape it had been holding. So transverse friction, you can do it on yourself, like bicep, um, really any, like if it could be your quad and use your forearm to go across, is just that, it's just working the muscle going, again, opposite direction of whatever the muscle fiber is with uh, compression and traction, which means you, just, you push down and then you go across the grain, keeping the compression, and that's how you, you know, that's massage. But what I found, especially for strength sports, you know, you're, as you progress and your muscle fiber, you get, you're getting stronger, your muscles get bigger, but they get shorter. Yeah. And, you know, the power output is directly related to how long your muscle can relax and contract. So muscle length, it correlates to power output. So if your muscle is getting shorter, even though you're getting stronger, your overall power output of a stronger muscle is actually less. Yeah. 
you know, if you want to think so, of it almost like a slingshot or, or, or um, an elastic yeah. band. It is. And my, so like I, like, I have a theory and, you know, I, I might have mentioned it to you before that the reason why gains when you become an advanced lifter is so hard is because you have such a shortened muscle compared to when you were a newbie and it was at resting, you know, it's probably a, a much more right. resting length. So a advanced lifter has such a shortened muscle that even if you were just to just help them regain their as much muscle length as possible, they probably would have some extra strength that would show up. I know that, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense because as you become further along in your lifting career, you actually will require more maintenance in a sense of massage. Yeah. Um, when you're new, you can go longer periods without, but when you get say five, 10 years in, it should be something that I personally, I do think you should do on almost a monthly basis. If, if you, you can afford it. You should like, yeah, honestly, like every, if you're a serious athlete, every bi-monthly or at least monthly, at least, yeah. Um, like if you did, or like what I would try to do at the, my best was a massage appointment once a month and a chiropractic once a month yeah. and kind of spread those two weeks apart. Um, yeah, if you can, you know, great. Um, you see Jen in the back, she's, she's watching tv on the laptop <laughs> <laughs> no massage is a definitely a great uh great form of recovery um it, it it's you don't feel it right away you actually you feel like shit right away so you need to give yeah. yourself like 48 almost 72 hours depending on the person but um yeah um i i find i, I agree i find for myself it's the day not the next day but the day after is when i feel yeah. good because the day yeah the next day i feel like a noodle i'm either really sore or I'm really just like noodling. Yeah, and of um, course, you know, they, they advise you to not get under load for at least yeah. 24 to 48 hours for that reason. I, so quick little sidebar, I have a buddy of mine who um, I was at a meet he was competing in and he, I was like, man, I'm having a hard time. It was after squats mm. and he was like, he had missed his third squat. Um, and which was a big he went I think he went for like 600 and he you know he didn't get it um and he was just like oh man I'm having a hard time like I just feel so off today I'm like well what, what was like this week like like going into it so you know while we we're waiting for bench he's like oh not much like everything I had really good prep he's like I went and I got a massage like a few days ago and I was like excuse me he went and got like a 90 minute massage. This was like on a Saturday. He on like Wednesday. He went to go get a 90 minute massage. I was like, bro. Oh, that's too close. That's way too like you that's why you feel <laughs> off. Like you're you're noodle at this point. Yeah. Like you're like, and I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I went to massage school. Like, no, you need like if anything, you should have done that like on a Monday at the that was yeah. like the latest. The latest you could have done on a Monday, ideally like the week before. He's like, really? Yeah. I was like, yeah. He's like, fuck. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. Like I'm like, well, did you tell the massage therapist that you had a competition this weekend? He's like, no. I'm like, you should have. Like she would have at least like either said no or like been easier about it, you know, like yeah. but he learned his lesson. <laughs> so it's like you don't get a massage 
three to four days out from comp, you will no. it won't be good. No. No. Um, so one of the other things I really want to talk about is uh, being sympathetic or parasympathetic. Yeah. Um, this is a big one because yeah. this is something that like we are completely in control of um, yes. just in regards to managing stress within our lives. And you can train now, it too. For, for, exactly. For those that don't know, sympathetic is uh, the body is in fight or flight mode. Um, so it regulates heart rate, respiration, um, and being parasympathetic is like rest and digest. Um, basically, it's, that's what brings you down to homeostasis, calm. And we want to be parasympathetic. We don't want to be walking around sympathetic all the time where we're like constantly under stress or cortisol levels are through the roof because that's just, it's going to destroy a recovery and it's, well, it's just not a fun time in general. Your training goes to shit when your cortisol levels get too high. It's very important that we really try to train ourselves to be parasympathetic as much as possible. Um, and it can also really benefit you in the moment. Um, Cause we had actually talked about this in previous episodes where we had mentioned how uh, lifters or fighters will go from being parasympathetic to sympathetic just in a matter of how they breathe. Yeah. Um, and because breathing it, dictates that it does. Cause like so being when you, able to control yeah. that can really benefit you say when it comes to platform day being in a competition. Yeah. And it's on top of that, you have, I mean, it's simple, like bracing makes you sympathetic yes. like right away and yes. exhale. Like even again, massage, you were taught exhale, have the person exhale because exhale triggers parasympathetic nervous system That's right. to activate. So if you were trying to like hold or when someone you're massaging someone, they're trying to like brace against it, they can't relax. No. Um, and so learning how to manage those and knowing that, you know, even meditation is all about breathing. It's triggering mm -hmm. your parasympathetic nervous system and knowing how to breathe uh, and inhale even and exhale while in that state. That's right. Now, like today, everybody is super stressed out, <laughs> particularly yeah. right now, 2020. But yep. as we said, like it is something you can train. It is something that you can be completely in control of. And in my opinion, this is one of the best forms of recovery because again you are completely in control yeah. so if you can manage that you can manage your recovery much better yeah and i think that's why it's it's important to know that every person you know obviously there are tools like the breathing exercises or yeah. knowing those things to help but like obviously learning what works for you yeah. um and knowing that those tools, like the, all the tools work for everybody, but how they work for everybody is different. It's totally different. And like something just says, oh, go and meditate. Well, meditation actually takes practice. You can't just tell someone to go and meditate and they're, they're going to figure it yeah. out and then have it locked down. Yeah. And, and different people meditate differently. Like I'm, you know, like I'm a good in meditation bursts. Some people can do, can like, like to train to meditate for like an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, that doesn't work for me. I but I will do really well if I take just a few minutes, a minute, two minute, three minutes. So not yeah. long, but for me, it actually does feel like a long time because I can truly like exhale and just take a second. 
and that works more than me trying to force myself to stay in the state. Now, of course, again, like you said, practicing, if that's what you want to achieve, but, yeah. but like meditation is no real guideline. It's just taking a second to be present and breathe. Exactly. And like, I'm very much like you where I can't spend a bunch of time doing it, but I can take a couple minutes to calmly breathe. And like over yeah. particularly the last year, I've gotten quite good with that. Like I've spoken about it um, in a couple of my posts, how I've gone from being more of an aggressive lifter um, to now I'm much more calm and, and actually working with my breathing to help me be a better lifter. Yeah. And even um, like uh, in Taoist, like Taoist meditations, Taoist meditations um, in different sects. So I'm not going to like speak for the whole thing, but there is in generalization. A lot of times the meditations come with um, like a specific sutra, which is almost, it's not, a, it's not a prayer. So I don't want to misrepresent, but it's like more of a mantra, like thing that they'll like say to themselves and their meditations will be recite like to themselves reciting that. And they, of course, they could be, and in Catholics do it too. It's like, well, you know, say Hail Mary three or five times. They kind of will yeah. do that. So it could be very short. So it's, I think it's good to have, you could, you could train meditation by just having like a mantra that you say to yourself that you can yeah. close your eyes, breathe, say it even once. You just take a second to like relax, whatever it is that, that helps focus you mm. and then go like that's enough like that's that could be just just what yep. you need and obviously you could totally an individual thing which is yeah. again why like you are in control of that so yeah if if it means like you just shutting your eyes and singing happy birthday to yourself in your head and that brings you down to being parasympathetic then do that yeah, yeah and you'll see and you'll see a lot of those strategies like um my mom used to work with um you know, different uh, like autistic kids or okay. kids who were, um, you know, learning, you know, you know, had different learning abilities and they had lots, there's lots of those um, tactics to focus or like center or to like calm down yeah. and, you know, helps them. But the thing is like, they're not, you know, it's a really bad stereotype that people who are, have learning differences um, that they're, that's why I don't say disability because it's not, it's just they're wired differently. Right. Um, it's, but the, those tactics work more contrast, like it's more of a contrast and highlighted when it works with them, but it works for anybody. You know, it's just that it just is much more of a highlight that it works for them because they're, you know, they're, you know, they're, it's much different for them. But it's yeah. the same thing, having those mantras, having those things that can bring you back to zero, um, that can, really just zen you out um and, and like like you said it's individual it's something you control something you can develop for yourself so you can tailor something to be just perfect for you and that yeah. um well, you know, and something, go ahead go ahead <laughs> <laughs> we're not no, a canadian this is a canadian standoff right this is what that is no after you no after you <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I am, uh, am I officially Canadian now? Do I pass? <laughs> ask Trudeau. Someone sent him an email and ask if this counts for citizenship. Um, I would say like there's two. Yeah. One is very important next to the, um, the ANS. So the autonomic nervous system, which is what we just spoke about. Um, right. The one obvious 
next to that would be food. Um, yeah. Food plays a major role in recovery. And obviously, you know, the better you eat, the better you're going to recover, the more crap food you eat, your recovery is obviously not going to be as great. Right. Um, but I think that should be simple. It is relatively simple, but sometimes simple is not always easy. Anyway, so there you have it, folks. As me and Amber just spoke about, it is all about not what you can do, how hard you train, but it's about what you can recover from so you can continue training. So take your recovery as seriously as you take your programming. And from there, you will be able to make progress. And just like programming and training, it has to be consistent. One week good, one week bad is going to have a mixed result. And unlike training, where you can have bad days, recovery, you can always do well. Of course, it can have its own ups and downs, but as a whole, you're the one in control of that. You can make those decisions, tailor what recovery works for you, and go from there. So uh, it seems Amber's side cut out, but (laughs) technical difficulties, no big deal. But she said what she had to say. If you have any other questions or any other clarifications, please hit us up either on the Nerds Who Lift podcast Instagram or our personal pages. We'll be happy to talk about it. So, sports fans, until next week, I'm Nicholas. And on behalf of Miss Amber Dawn, thanks for tuning in to the Nerds Who Lift podcast. Thank you.